Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. If you take your Bibles and turn with me this morning, please, to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And I haven't noticed, is, is, um, is my king here today? Is Timothy here today? He's not. So I need a substitute. Who wants to be the boy king? Well, he's not a boy anymore, but who wants to be the king? Victoria's volunteering William. But I, I want a willing volunteer. Who wants to be my volunteer? Oh, I just saw Christopher come through the door, and then as soon as he heard the word volunteer, he slipped back out. <laughs> Would you like to be my king this morning, Christopher? You get to wear a crown. Get to wear a cape. Do you volunteer? See, he volunteered. Come, your majesty. Take a seat. Put your crown on. What you all are looking at right here, oh, don't break it. It's, you have a small head. Oh, okay. It's better than a big head. What you're looking at here is potential. Right? The boy king, rescued from among the bleeding dead, his life preserved for seven years, put upon the throne, bringing about great reforms in the land, rebuilding, strengthening the temple, doing great things for God. Do you see potential? You ever seen potential in people? You ever looked at your kids and seen potential? Have you ever looked at yourself and seen potential? What happened here? Here, his foster dad, kind of his adopted dad, is the high priest. Oh, what great things this king could do and has done for God. Do you see potential? How many of you see potential? So what happened? Well, before we dive into that question, let's seek the Lord and ask him to teach us. Great God, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for how you have recorded history, recorded it in such a way so that we may learn from it. Help us, Father, today to learn. May your Holy Spirit move among us and in our hearts and in our minds and teach us. Teach us the importance of always preparing our hearts to seek you. Teach us the vital need of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Teach us to be a discerning people. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Do you all remember where we left King Joash last week? He had just commanded the murder of the high priest, Zechariah. We found out that not only was Zechariah murdered, but other sons of Jehoiada, the man who had shown him kindness, the man who had preserved his life, the man who had protected him, the man who had crowned him king. So what happened? Have you ever asked yourself that question? 
Have you ever seen someone or known someone in your life that had such great potential and it seemed to all go wrong? Did you ask yourself how and why? Well, there are probably as many reasons as there are people because we're all different, isn't it? But there are some similarities that we find oftentimes. I was overwhelmed last week when I saw a picture here. Here we have the lonely king. Do you know that it can be a lonely place to be in leadership? It can be a lonely place to be the king. My wife has recently been reading a biography on President Truman. And he's often described as a fiercely loyal man. But so hard it is to know who's your friends and why they're your friends and if you can trust them. You know, people haven't changed much. I mean, we're looking here going back, oh, 3,000 years to King Joash. But people aren't much different. Yes, people are different and think differently even today in different cultures and the way they process things. But in a whole, we're all not much different. And there is one big thing in our lives that we have to be on guard. And that is the fear of man. What overwhelmed me last week is, did you see that king? sitting up here, all by him lonesome. And then all those princes came in. Do you guys all remember all those princes? Some of you do. And did you see how they just swarmed all around him? What did those princes come to him? And remember, they bow down to him. Oh, yes, your majesty. But what was their proposal? Let's go serve other gods. Now, what would you do if you were King Joash? We often might sometimes say, well, I would be strong. I would do what was right, no matter what. Okay. That's easy to say when you look back 3,000 years to this guy. But is that what you did yesterday? Or this morning? Do we not also fail? And do we not also have to be aware of the fear of man? I mean, think about it. Do you have friends out here? Do you like having friends? Oh, good. That's good. How many of you like to have friends? Oh, good. Mr. Reisinger didn't raise his hand. Oh, good. He likes to have friends, too. I was concerned about that. Yeah, he raised both hands. We like to have friends, don't we? So what do we do when our friends... Hmm want us to do wrong. Or maybe they don't want us to do wrong. They are just doing wrong and we're with them. Do we stand alone? I mean, remember last week you saw the king here? He's all alone. And all those princes came and bowed down to him. Now, regardless of the fact that they were bowing down to him, I suspect that his majesty the king was afraid of them. These guys were the princes in the land. They were the powerful ones. We call it today peer pressure. You ever heard of peer pressure? It's when you get pressured to do things by your peers. And sometimes we think of peers only as our, our, our um, same age. It's not always that way. We have to be aware of 
pressure from all different ages and all of our friends, no matter what age they are. Joash had all those princes come to him. Did he stand strong? Yes or no? Why? It's easy to look back and say, well, I would have. He should have. And that's true. He should have. But oh, think for a moment of the position he was in. I mean, guys get knocked off as being kings quite regularly. All this pressure. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not making up any excuses for this guy. No excuses. But for a moment, put yourself in his place. Not to excuse him or to rationalize what he did. Rather, to challenge ourselves to take heed. That's to hearken. That is to listen and do something about it. In two ways. Can I encourage you in two ways? This is Independence Day. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating day in history, and it's a wonderful day to celebrate. One part of it is the establishment of a new government. Did you know that even in the establishment of our government, where we don't have a monarchy, I recently read Thomas Paine's Common Sense. You all heard of that one, right? It's kind of interesting. He's got some really bad exegesis, but some really good points at the same time. And he makes, the, he makes the argument, establishes the ar argument that according to the Bible, and just so you know he's wrong, that monarchies, period, unilaterally, categorically, are totally bad. Now, he doesn't recognize that Jesus will one day be a monarchy and ruler, so he kind of misses a few things. But nonetheless, he makes some very interesting points back in 1776 that caused and brought about the Declaration of Independence, that is having nothing to do with a king. And so we don't have a king. But we still have a president. And we still have legislators. In all realms of government. All the way from, uh, from little township clerks. Who don't have much power. But yet are the record keepers. All the way to the great and powerful president. Who um, actually has more power than most monarchies ever thought about having. Do we consider them? Now, I don't know when the last time President Biden had a group of princes come in and bow to him. Like this. But I wonder how many people come into him and say, hey, I've got this idea and this idea and this idea. Well, meanwhile, there's somebody over here saying, and I've got this idea, this idea, and this idea. Who wants to be him? to be candid. I don't. I've got a brother who's a statesman, and the more that I learn about it from being a little bit on the inside with that, I come home and my wife says, please never run for political office. I don't want to be a statesman. All the people here, 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 there's some that are tugging on you. There's some that are pushing you. There's some, can I, can I pick on you? Yeah. Okay. There's some that tickle your ears. Not like this, but like this. They flatter you. They humor you. They feed you. Do you know how many invites my brother gets on a daily, weekly basis when in session to dinner? And we're not talking about McDonald's dinner or Old Country Buffet dinner. We're talking about Ruth's Chris dinner and restaurants that have such fancy names I can't even pronounce them. Oh, my. All these people. Do this, do this, and oh, then they say, here is truth over here. Here is truth, but they totally contradict each other, and they go back and forth and back and forth. Who wants to be him? I mean, they're getting information this way and this way and this way, and it makes it even more complicated now because we have information that flies through the air at lightning speed. Faster, I think. 
information, 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 information. And they just dump it on you. I thought about getting a bucket of water, but I didn't. Thank you. <laughs> and they dump you with information. And you got to sort it out. I think of another governor in history. And until more recently, I always struggled with this guy, and I still do struggle with him. You ever heard of Pontius Pilate? How many of you heard of Pontius Pilate? He's famous for asking a question. Do you remember the one famous question that Pontius Pilate asked Jesus? Well, actually, it doesn't say who he asked it of. What's the famous question? Three words. What is truth? Now, what's very sad in the case of Pontius Pilate is that he had the opportunity that day to speak with truth himself. And he missed it. I mean, think about it. Pontius Pilate that day, having weeks and months and days of dealing with the Jews dumping on him and the Herodians dumping on him and the Pharisees dumping on him and the Sadducees dumping on him and the Zealots dumping on him and all of his Roman friends and his Greek friends and his Egyptian friends and everybody's just on his case. He was so tired of sorting through what is truth. And in the midst of all the chaos of his business and normal job as a governor in probably one of the most frustrating provinces in the entire Roman Empire, they show up with Jesus. And he had it up to here, no there. He had it. And he asks, what is truth? Now, he is not excused nor, nor let off the hook for not seeking truth. But he's in a hard spot. Joash, I'm convinced, was in a hard spot. So what do we learn from all of this that makes a difference today? On this Independence Day, let us pray for our leaders. Let's earnestly pray for them. The ones we don't like and the ones we like. Let's pray for them because they have so much data, so much information, so many people to grapple with and deal with. We don't even begin to fathom it. I mean, sit down for a few moments when the next time you hear of something that is crazy and how things are being done in our government. And just for a moment, imagine that you're the president and you have the privilege to do something about it. Now, some of us would say, well, sure, I would do this, 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 this. But would you? Could you? Now, I'm not saying that this is excusing or justifying any wrongdoing. That's not my point. My point is to cause us to consider the complexity and the difficulty and the temptation these guys have and that they would stand for what is right. Oh, it's easy for us to say, Joash, you should have told those princes, get out of here. In fact, it's easy. We might even say, the Mosaic Law gave you the authority to execute those princes. For they came to you and said, let's go serve other gods. And in the Law of Moses, explicitly... Such actions were worthy of death. You want to kill people? Do you? Judges have hard jobs. Our government has hard jobs. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray earnestly for them that they would first and foremost recognize who is supreme over all. And who's that? God is. And that they would first and foremost submit to him. And then that they would let 
him and his Holy Spirit and his inspired word lead them day by day as they make the decisions that they need to make. It's hard job being a king, being a president, being a council member, being a judge. They're hard. And it's right for us to be a wanting and seeing them to do right. But oh, at the same time, do we pray earnestly, earnestly for them? And then come back to this question. How many of you were some of those princes last week? Can you stand up? If you were one of those princes, could you stand up just to kind of get some, a little bit of a perspective again? These guys, they're your friends, right? Now, think about it even now today. Are these your friends? Now, I hope all of you would not come to him and say, let's go serve other gods. But you would want him to do right. But flip it. Imagine it. Is that what we do? Are we those ones who are helping this guy, who's not king, just Christopher, be the man God wants him to be? And I could come and put anybody up here in this chair. What kind of friends are we all? Are we encouraging one another? Are we helping one another? You guys could be seated, thank you. But are we helping one another, encouraging one another to do what is right? Let's be good friends. I want to read something that your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather wrote. I had you turn to Psalm 1. Do you remember what Zechariah told him? Zechariah came in and said to him, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord? That ye cannot prosper. Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. What does Psalm 1 teach us? Well, did you know that Psalm 1 is a psalm of blessing, prosperity, a psalm of success? You learn a lot about success in life, don't you? You want to be successful in life? How, you want to, how many of you want to be successful in life? Boy, some of you need to raise your hands. There's a few of you didn't raise your hands. We all want to be successful, right? Well, there's different kinds of success. And sometimes people might be shy to raise their hand because, you know, the world's definition of, su of success is not God's definition of success. When I say how many of you want to be successful, successful I'm talking about God's kind of success. Let's look at Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Oh, King Joash, do you hear these words? These are pretty relevant to him, aren't they? All you princes and his servants went and stoned Zechariah and Jehoiada's sons. You've got some time to think. Zechariah says, 
Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord? Do you see the parallel here in Psalm 1? Look here at verse 2. The one who is blessed, the one who shall prosper, is one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Do you want to be prepared to deal with the ungodly, the sinners, and the scorners? Do you want to be prepared to deal with those princes that come in and tickle your ears or flatter you? Bow to you to lead you astray? Delight in the law of the Lord. I, Zechariah, basically said the same to him. You've transgressed the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper. For here, his great-great-great-so-forth-grandfather wrote that the one who is delighting, delighting in the law of the Lord, he shall be a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But Zechariah said, you will not prosper because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. Do we want to be like Joash? No. So what ought we to do? Let us delight in God's word, in his way. There's another great, 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 great grandfather who wrote some things for you. Take your Bibles and turn with me now to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15, verse 32. It says this, He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Ah. So the princes have come to you and they've offered to you instruction. So should he take their instruction? Why, they are the princes of the land. Ought he to have taken their instruction? I'm not trying to trick you, but I am. The answer is no. This isn't saying that you just take all instruction. This is good instruction. Instruction like a lot of that you got from Jehoiada, your foster dad. But he that refuseth instruction, what does it say? Despiseth his own soul. Now what changed? Now we know one event that changed, and the Bible makes a big deal out of this fact that this change took place. And that was that Jehoiada died. And he did that which was right all the days of Jehoiada. I'm convinced God extended Jehoiada's life for the very sake of this king. 130 years old. I mean, that's old, especially in this time of history. 130 years. For his sake, I'm convinced. But then he dies, and you turn away. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if he ever was listening to Jehoiada or if he was just like a ship that was thrown to and throw on the sea. Whoever had the strongest wind, the strongest waves, the strongest might just moved him. He's over here with Jehoiada because Jehoiada has got all the power and the influence. But you have nothing. He gives you advice. He gives you reproof. He gives you instruction. But apparently, King Joash despises, notice what it says here, not the instruction, what does it say he despises? Look, look there. Proverbs 15, 32. 
Oftentimes, we get frustrated when we see young people, and, and we, we notice it more in young people. It doesn't mean that it's not true for all ages, but we notice it more with young people. And we see them despising instruction. But are they really despising instruction? What does he know? What's to say he's despising here? The one who refuses instruction and presume, presumed here good instruction? That he despises his own soul. Now, I don't know of all the little pieces. I don't know of all of Jehoiada's failures. I know Jehoiada had some problems. Did any of you, can any of you tell me if you can know of it? I mean, we only know little bits about Jehoiada, but do we know anything that Jehoiada did that was wrong? How many of you know something? This is key. You need to know this. This is significant. What? No, no, Jehoiada, not Joash. The, so his foster father. Anyone? I'm looking for a young person besides my kids. Oh, we need to know this. He did something very sad. Look at 2 Chronicles 24 and verse 3. Second Chronicles 24 and verse 3. Do you know what he did? How many of you know something Jehoiada did? Mm. See, it's actually interesting that Jehoiada did this because, in fact, um, it wasn't so from the beginning. God made male and female. The two, quote, shall be one not three, one. Two shall be one. And furthermore, in the law of Moses itself, it explicitly states that kings are not to multiply their wives. So Jehoiada did this. Guess what? Jehoiada was a sinner, just like you and me. He made mistakes. He had failures. He did things that were wrong. And you know what? How many of you kids? Don't raise your hands because I already know the answer. Know that your mom and dad aren't perfect. We all know that, right? That's no secret. And sometimes they give good advice and sometimes you're not so sure about it. Right? So what do you do? Despise your soul? It's important. Just because mom or dad or Jehoiada has done stupid things doesn't give you the reason or excuse to say, well, I want nothing to do with them and I want nothing to do with their God no matter how poorly they followed their God in the beginning or not. See, Jehoiada had his problems. Our parents have their problems. But it's our responsibility, especially as we grow older, that it's not about so much, still important what mom and dad teach and say and instruct, but it's not so important about what mom and dad think. But as we grow older, and especially in the Old Testament, it was age 20, it was about me and you knowing what God wants. And that's what's important for Joash. That's what's important for all of us, to know what God wants. Not so much just go along with what mom and dad say. You don't be a Christian because mom or dad are a Christian. And even if you go along with it, it doesn't make you a Christian. That was the problem Joash had. I have to wonder, what changed? Did Joash all these years despise his own soul? Did the consul of Jehoiada the priest go in one ear and out the other? Or did it, was it there, but yet there was nothing 
personal about it in the heart. How about you? Is it personal? Is what God has said, God's word, real to you in your heart? Well, we learned some counsel from David and Solomon. Turn over to another proverb. Proverbs 19, verse 20. So you're there in 15, turn over to 19 and verse 20. Here's some advice from King Solomon. Hear, counsel, receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. You know, it's his latter end. You would think he'd be doing better in his latter end, right? Here again, the counsel and the instruction is godly good counsel, godly good instruction. And the purpose is that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end, in thy end. But what happened here? What happened here? What, what broke? Was the instruction concrete? Firm foundation in his heart. How about yours? How about mine? Do we really hear instruction? And I'm not talking about just going through the motions, but really hear instruction and really receive instruction so that we might be wise. Something broke here. And it's not real clear what. You see, he was, he was a lot like a lot of you. He was a good kid. So what went wrong? And how do we, and remember, he did good at least, at least until he was 30 years old. Because he was still doing good and still Jehoiada was alive at that time. So we're not just talking about the kid. What can we do? Let's go back to Psalms 1. Psalm 1. Let's look at the first verse. It's fascinating. It's about who you listen to. It's about what you listen to. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, could I have some helpers? Let's see here. Um, Nathan, do you want to help me? No. This one's fun. Oh, okay. Nathan, you come on up here. Um, Caroline, you want to come help me? Okay, good. And Gavin, you want to come help me? Okay. Let's come up here. In the psalm, we have three progressions, don't we? We have a seat here. Who wants to sit in the seat? Okay, Nathan, since you shrugged. All right, he's sitting. Now, let's you come on over here. Well, actually, why don't you just wander? You good wander. Just walk around. You know, walk over there and walk back, and then you, you just come stand right here. Now, who wants to come up and be with them? No help? No friends? Any of you have friends? Well, you see, I'll come along, Gavin, over here. This verse says to you, the man is blessed who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So, if we're just walking through life and busy, and um, I'm telling you all kinds of ungodly things, and you just keep focused, he keep, keeps walking, but yet it's there. He's hearing this. He's continuing to stay with me, and we're walking. But you know, it's not real intent, it's not real big, because you know, he goes that way sometimes, and I go this way sometimes, and we're not, we're not always together, and he just keeps on going, and if I want to have, I, I got to keep up with him, right? And this guy could be hard to keep track of, I can just imagine it, keep up with him. But then, what if you stop and you stand, and we start talking, and we start talking, and this is with sinners, now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea that somehow we just walk around as holy people, which we are, but we're so holy that 
we don't love people, we don't care about people, except we really love ourselves and care about ourselves. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. This isn't talking about that. But see, here now, we're, we're, you, we stop. And we listen. We spend more time fellowshipping. We spend more time talking. But at any moment, you could just walk away, right? Do you, you see how different influence would come on the one who's walking and they cross paths here and there? Versus the here, there's just this stand-up meeting, this standing conversation where it's a stop to listen, to talk, to then sit. And this is called the seat of the scornful. And here it's, we have fun making fun of truth. And instead of standing up and getting out of here, the blessed man does that. He doesn't sit and allow and hear truth, goodness, be scorned and mocked and ridiculed. The blessed man gets up and gets out of there. But there's a problem when you just sit there with it. Now you say, I don't, I don't do that. You know, I don't go to those places. I don't do that kind of thing. Let me, let me bring some real world to you that might be a little bit adultish than just with children. But children, you're going to get there sometimes. And in fact, the transition from living in the greenhouse of home, living at home, to then having to get a job, sometimes causes problem here. Because sometimes when you're living at home, especially when you're homeschooled, you're not actually spending very much time walking with the ungodly because you're spending that time throughout the day with mom or dad. Remember a few weeks ago we looked at the verse in Deuteronomy that speaks about teach diligently your children when they rise up, when they sit down, when they go in the way, and when they lie down. That's what I hope is going on in all of your homes. But it's more than just a teaching. All of us kids, we've got to believe it and make it a part of our hearts. But the day comes when you got a job. And we want jobs that we can have good jobs where, where we don't have the ungodly always around us. But, um, you know, you're going to hear things, Gavin, someday maybe when you get a job, depending where it's at, and words you didn't even know existed. And you're going to hear people talk about all kinds of crazy things. And you know what's really hard is when you're stuck and you've got to hear it. You're operating this machine or you're doing this job, you're doing this task, and you have no choice but to hear it. Be careful. Be careful how you hear it. It's one thing hearing it and staying focused on your job and going on and rejecting it. But you know what so often happens? Is that the temptation is to just stand in it and to let it influence you to then worse sit in the seat of the scornful let me tell you about something someone came to me one time and um, he had a real hard time with his TV and you know why he had a hard time with his TV because all through the day he worked in a job where there was filth. It was in a factory, a trailer factory, and the conversation was just what they call gutter talk. And all day he's working alongside the ungodly and trying to refuse the, these conversations and these things from his mind and stay focused on the job and focused on truth. And it was always a heavy burden when he would come home. He would just feel so overwhelmed by all the filth he had to reject throughout the day. And he would sit down and turn on the TV. And one day, a light bulb came in, and he shared with me, why on earth would I sit in my own home and turn on the filth that I've been struggling with all through the day and can't do anything about. 
And he woke up one day and realized that when he was coming home and turning on that TV and tolerating just a little, and then as time went by a little more, to the point where he became horrified at all that he was allowing to be dumped on him, and he realized he was in the seat of the scornful. What do we do? How do we live? You know, this is hard. Sometimes we work all day and we work so hard that we're ready to just collapse on the couch and be amused. No thinking. That's what amused means, to not think. But beware, lest by sitting and clicking that on, you're actually sitting in the seat of the scornful. And if you, if you turn on the average TV most of the time, there's an awful lot of scorning that's going on, of truth. I'm not just talking about a vulgarity. Your simple G-rated movies, in some cases, have more filth and philosophical danger than your higher-rated, worse movies. Where do we, and are we on guard? Are we on guard? And it's not just here, but you know what? You see these situations here? You can have this in the workplace. You know, I've dealt with just now here one in the home, which is an area that every one of you today can take control over. There's so many places you can't. So many places you go to grocery stores and you have to deal with falsehood even in the grocery store. So many places. Or you might grow up and go to college. Now, some people just have decided, I just won't have anything to do with college because I don't want to have anything to do with all the filtering of the junk. And sometimes there's a place for that. Not always, but sometimes there's a place for that. But if you are going to go to college, are you ready to be aware of Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1? Going to college, some people say, is, the, is one of the ways of success. Some people act as if it's the only way of success, and it's not. But some people act, you know, say it's the way of success. But beware if in your pursuit of success you find yourselves walking in the counsel of the ungodly or standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of the scornful. Beware. And don't forget the rest of us here. What is the other side? Do you guys remember what it is? So you're not supposed to walk in the way of or the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But what are we to do? Do you guys remember what it said? How about you guys? Can you help them out? Verse 2. Look here, guys. See the but? That's an important word. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his, that's God's law, doth he meditate, that's think, and not just a casual, let it in one ear and out the other, but think in it, meditate day and night. This is where success comes from. And so we can be strong. So now, thank you guys, you can go back to your seats. Let's come back to Joash. Were you listening? Was the real Joash listening? Perhaps this man, the boy king, with such great potential, when he hears the reports of dear Jehoiada's son murdered at your command. But not only him, all your other friends, your family, your adopted family have been murdered. Do you think it's a wake-up call? 
for Joash to remember the wise counsel, a wake-up call to remember the good advice. Remember I talked about the light bulb coming on? Do you think a light bulb has gone on? Shock, how could I have fallen, stooped so low? How could have I allowed these princes to pressure me into doing something unthinkable? Do you think Joash wakes up? No, rejects the counsel of the ungodly, doesn't stand in the way of sinners, but gets out of there and refuses to sit in the seat of the scornful, but runs and runs to the law of God and begins to read it, begins to understand it, begins to know it, begins to seek God and prepare his heart to seek God. Right, Joash? He's been warned that he cannot prosper. You want to prosper, right? So certainly you're going to listen to your great-great-great-granddad, David, and delight in the law of the Lord and meditate in the law of the Lord day and night. Just like King Joash, you and me have the same choice. What are we going to do? You're warned from God through his word. Beware. What will you do? What will become of his majesty? The boy king, who had great potential, has miserably failed. Will he repent? Will he turn back to God and do what is right? Should I leave you on a cliffhanger? I'll leave you there. But take the choice to delight in God's way. Father, we thank you for your word. May we learn from the history. May we learn from Jehoiada from Joash, and may we delight ourselves in your word, but not just in your word, but in you, our creator, our God, our savior, and our friend. We commit ourselves to you now this day. I pray today for each one who may be in such a crossroads, that today, whether in a crossroad or not, each of us would prepare our hearts to seek you and delight in you and in your word. We pray and commit ourselves to you in Christ's name. Amen.